0: You're listening to The Big Swings Podcast with Eric Schaefer, Episode 4. Wait, where was I going with this?
1: Welcome to The Big Swings Podcast, your source for breakthrough trends, shaping business and technology innovation, and now your host. Had we all known someone could get paid to talk so much, we would have pursued a BS degree
0: as well. Eric Schaefer. Welcome to the Big Swings Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Schaefer, recording live here from Hotlanta, back home after some travels in Tampa, uh, recording a few sessions down there. This is session number four. We're going to be talking about the great middleware transition taking place today. Uh, And with me is um, Rob Consoli, the Chief uh, Revenue Officer with Liaison Technologies. Rob, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Eric, for having me. Awesome. So, Rob, let's uh, let's start with some quick introductions for our listeners so they kind of understand a little bit about your background and your roles here at Liaison.
1: Yeah, excellent. So, yeah, I'm pretty excited that I've been here at Liaison almost seven years. I'm the chief revenue officer, so I have responsibility for U.S. direct sales and global marketing as well as some revenue objectives. Awesome.
0: So, take us a little bit through your background. You've You've worn many hats at, at some pretty prominent organizations. And one of the unique things, um, you know, with your background, you have a degree in aerospace engineer, which I think is unique <laughs> for a chief revenue officer or anybody in, in sales and technology. But it just kind of fits. So take us through some of the, you know, starting in college with your degree, why the focus there, and then kind of the move to the technology space and, and how you've navigated your
1: career. Yeah, it's a great question, Eric. Um, Yeah, I started out at Auburn University and got my undergraduate in aerospace engineering there, and I uh, very quickly moved into application development. It was a pretty exciting time to to be in information technology as uh, dot-com and other technologies were starting to come in the forefront. Um, I actually started out uh, designing uh, aircraft, uh, worked on the a joint Strike Fighter program, the F 22, the National Aerospace Plane. Uh, my team and my group were writing the design programs to design those airplanes and perform a performance analysis. That's so pretty exciting. exciting. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. So I got enamored with uh, traveling around the sales teams all over the globe as we were selling F 16 airplanes to Singapore, J- uh, Japan, Indonesia, and other countries, and I said, wow, sales looks like pretty interesting. So I really took a left turn. I became a pre-sales engineer for a British company called Programming Research, and then quickly moved into a sales role and a sales leadership role with that company. So that's how I got started in sales.
0: And and you've taken quite a journey. You've been here with Liaison uh, quite a while. And, you know, today's discussion is really around one of the, the bigger swings and transformations that IT organizations are, are faced with, and that is around legacy middleware. And, and we'll get into, and I really want to focus on the core of our discussion around uh, a recent research project that you've done with the Aberdeen Group. Um, but I want to kind of start off by painting a little bit uh, a picture about where middlewares kind of come from in, in its inception. So, if you'll, if you'll allow me, I'll kind of paint that picture, kind of tell a little bit of a story, and then we'll, I'd love to get your feedback on, on some of the changes in that, in that. So, you know, early 2000, um, the need uh, of organizations to integrate loosely coupled disparate services was really growing at a significant rate. Requirements around monitoring and routing of messages, the ability to control versioning and software services, and provide data transformation and mapping as well as many other services And from there, the polysemic term ESB or Enterprise Service Bus uh, or other terms such as EAI, SOA really came into existence. Um, We first heard that term back in 2003 around ESB. However, we couldn't anticipate the complexities that would fill that technological timeline between early 2000s and where we are today the the introduction of cloud computing in 06 the IT the IoT swing in 08 and the fact that 90% of our world's data was created just in the last 2 years yeah, right i mean it, they're talking now that going forward by 2020 big data or data will be a line item on the balance sheet and it'll probably be on your balance sheet mm. considering the role you play here liaison um but our lines of business and end users are now faced with new challenges so before we jump into the the research that liaison did with Aberdeen how would you sum up the change in the integration space over the last 15 years
1: gosh it's a great question i mean it's a it's a huge market and a huge market opportunity for companies like Liaison, I mean, the fact is that the, this is a pretty exciting time to be in information technology. If you think of everything that's coming together, all the things that you mentioned, big data, Internet of Things, uh, cloud, uh, et cetera, are all really driving an, a new integration strategy for a lot of companies. And the challenge is that, actually, Eric, it goes back to the early 90s when some of these middleware vendors like TIBCO and uh, Web Methods and others were really coming on the forefront, and, and, and they really were there to, to move data around an organization. And so now advanced today, as you mentioned, with everything that's happened, the move to cloud, the rise in cloud applications, the number of data sources growing astronomically, it's putting a lot of pressure on information technology today in organizations. In fact, Gartner would say 50% of IT budgets are, are uh, spent solving the integration challenges that companies have, just simply getting applications to talk to each other and moving that data around. So it's a pretty complex environment today. No, that's
0: great, and I
1: appreciate you summing that up. And
0: I, I think that's a great segue uh, into the research that liaisons done with the Aberdeen group, and really the focus on on this big swing is is really the transformation that IT organizations are faced now with legacy ESB or EAI or their their typical SOA uh, enterprise, and so. I wanna I wanna start with a quote that, that came from Aberdeen and it stated that IT organizations are about to undertake one of the most dramatic infrastructure shifts in the past 20 years, in that seventy-eight percent of organizations will replace their ESB or EAI either partially or in full within the next three years. What's impacting this swing?
1: Yeah, well, really, it's a a lot of different things. Most of these large Fortune 1000 companies have grown by acquisition, so there's typically a mismatch of different EAI and ESB technology they have in-house. But also, if you think back to what I said earlier, that most of these technologies were started in the early 90s, they were started, frankly, before the cloud even existed. So now with the proliferation of cloud applications, it's really put a lot of stress on the infrastructure. In fact, many of these middleware vendors like TIBCO and others have been sold to private equity now which is Mm -hmm. kind of a sign that, you know, it's, it's, it's on the end of change. Yeah. There's, there's a life cycle change that's happening there. So organizations today are trying to figure out, Hey, where do we go from here? But they're kind of stuck, frankly, because they've invested literally tens of millions of dollars in their uh, middleware infrastructure today, and it's not meeting the needs of the business. So they need a more compelling alternative. And that's where, frankly, the iPaaS vendors have started to come into play. Companies like MuleSoft and SnapLogic and Jitterbit and Dell Boomi, uh, providing developer API tools uh, to really extend the internal middleware environments to the cloud. And that may be great if you're a do-it-yourself shop and you've got you know a team of developers that can go out and start mm-hmm. you know, building applications and extending out to this environment. Uh, but it's also posing a challenge because um, this development is often not taking place in information technology. It's taking, taking place in other areas of the business that simply need to get some integration done.
0: Right. It, it seems the... Really, the, the customer in most aspects has become the line of business, the, the need right. for a line of business to really innovate uh, and deliver either internal or external facing applications and results to the business. Would you agree?
1: I would agree, and it's coming at a very difficult time when you think about just the challenges of compliance and security and uh, regulations and protecting your organization's data. Having this rogue development take place in your organization with these IPAS vendors is not ideal, Frankly, that when the first line of code is written, um, you're breaking any compliance or regula- regulation, uh, security that you might have. So you're losing a bit of control in your organization, uh, in that regard. So you're you may be putting your organization at risk.
0: So you mentioned data, right? And I think data uh, is is really now being monetized throughout. All organizations. Right, we hear things right. like it's the new oil, it's the new <laughs> it currency, is. right? It really is, it is that new currency. Where's the data coming from? In in your perspective, what are you seeing consistently? Where is that
1: data coming from? I think the question is, where is it not coming from, Eric? It's coming from so many different places. I mean, the typical Fortune 1000 organization has over 500 different applications they use to run their business. Um, Different financial institutions may have 1,300 or 1,500 applications they use to run their business. So the challenge is that data is siloed typically and locked Mm -hmm. in those applications. And if we can unlock that data out of those applications, do custom blending of disparate data sources, we can innovate our business. We can drive in new directions. No one thought 10 or 15 years ago how we could combine social media data, uh, getting public sentiment data with other traditional data sources that we have, and that's what organizations are, are doing today, and omnichannel and retail, for example, is a great example of that on being able to leverage public sentiment or individual sentiment data to drive their business. So Mm -hmm. we believe that's a trend that's going to be taking place. You need to be able to custom blend data from disparate data sources. And the current middleware environments are simply not designed to handle that. So you really need a cloud platform that was designed from the ground up to handle both integration and data management to bring these disparate data sources together. Okay. So with all that
0: consumer data... What is, what is the hardest part of that consumer data you talked about social that the ESBs are having uh, around either consuming that data or doing the data integration to, to legacy or the typical on-prem software components?
1: Yeah, I mean, the challenge is, uh, frankly, these middleware managers have been around for a while. They're really never designed for the cloud. So that makes it very difficult to Mm -hmm. integrate with cloud applications, companies like Salesforce.com, ServiceNow, NetSuite, and others that have all moved to the cloud. It's very difficult to get that data to move. And then they were never designed for unstructured data, for social media data, for IoT. So really, we need a whole new paradigm now going into the next uh, century on how we're going to integrate data and handle and accommodate data management. Another aspect, Eric, that I'd like to just mention is it's one thing to get the data. It's another thing to cleanse, transform, and harmonize that data. So we're actually seeing the disciplines of integration and data management converge together. That's where you get the best of both worlds—not only access to the data, but cleansing that data so you can make use of it. Oh, that's
0: great. Yeah, and and you mentioned you know even out of this Aberdeen report, you mentioned upwards of anywhere from you know typically five hundred applications within an organization. Uh, I mean, these applications today, in, in, in your opinion, uh, meeting and going out and reviewing these with other clients and through your research, what is the consistency or that blend of on-premise technologies versus cloud? I mean, is it is it starting to shift heavily one way or the other?
1: It is. Particularly in the last three years or so, there's been a huge movement to cloud applications. Lower total cost of ownership, right. being able to have access to that data no matter what device you're on uh, from anywhere in the world is, is, has been a major factor. So, you know, we're seeing uh, the rise of adoption of cloud applications today, and we, we expect that to continue.
0: The, the impact that cloud or SaaS, the flexibility of those applications have on delivering projects whether you know it's for line of business or for your external clients, um, help me understand how cloud-based integration supports line of businesses today in terms of speed.
1: Right. Well, first and foremost, I mean you have to be a company that's adaptable and flexible in today's market. We can see examples of lots of brick and mortar. Um, Uh, retailers that are no longer in business or going out of business because they haven't adapted. We've seen um, Amazon, for example, just really take over the marketplace because they've been nimble. They're able to provide that custom-tailored experience to their clients, so um, they're able really to aggregate disparate data sources together and and provide a new business model and paradigm for their customers, and we're going to see more of that taking place here. And the companies that can innovate and leverage their data sources are going to continue to thrive. Those that won't, won't be around much longer because it's really, as you said earlier, all about
0: the data. Mm-hmm. And so one of the other topics that came out of that, that research from Aberdeen that, that I found uh, striking was that a, a third of the organizations that were interviewed are running more than three integration platforms today. I mean that that seems like a challenge in and of itself. I mean, how do these organizations now take a look inside behind the firewall and say, "How do I change or adapt to the landscape now that's focused solely on, you know, extremely on the cloud and SaaS applications? Where do where do organizations start, right? In terms of you know, you talked about harmonizing data. How do you harmonize your integration platforms? I mean, Mm -hmm. they're very siloed and, you know, the resources needed to run those are are probably extremely
1: expensive. That's right. It's true. And often, uh, in many cases, these are, as I mentioned, uh, legacy ESPE technology. So, it doesn't make sense to try to standardize on one of those, right, when they're they're antiquated today. So, again, Mm -hmm. it takes a brand new paradigm and shift uh, to be able to move. So, uh, what, we're, what we're proposing here at Liaison is something called embrace and extend, where we can come in with our systems integration partners and whether you have TIBCO or web methods um, or other EAI tools, we can embrace your current environment and then slowly migrate you or rapidly migrate you, depending on, on, on your speed that you'd like to go to a more modern architecture and leverage our cloud platform called Liaison Alloy. Uh, to provide the benefits of both data integration and data management. So we're helping companies today make that transition to a more modern architecture. Mm -hmm. Um, Other alternatives that are out there are, again, leveraging the IPaaS vendors. But the problem is with that, it's more do-it-yourself. It's siloed typically. It's not an enterprise-wide type of initiative. So while it might provide some short-term productivity gains from a development perspective. Long-term, it doesn't meet the needs of compliance and, and, and so forth of the business. So we don't believe that's the right strategy. That's kind of solving the wrong problem, if you will. So we're advocating a more a more holistic approach of embrace and extend over a period of time.
0: Well, it's ironic you mentioned that um, You know, in, in one of the, the last podcast sessions that we recorded with Stephen Ross at Jable, we talked a lot about the fact that organizations and leadership has changed because you're now having to work with four generations in the in the workforce, right? right. And, and you and you mentioned that skills gap. I mean, how are organizations going to tackle that today?
1: Yeah, it's really challenging because there is a shortage of resources that are out there uh, today. In fact, the the cost of a soft developer is rising at a faster rate than the productivity gains that you're going to get by using some pre-built adapters. So you know, if you take a step back and look at the, at the business picture, it doesn't make a lot of sense to do that if you're not actually gaining anything as, a, as opposed to that. So um, our approach is that we've got you know, literally uh, hundreds of resources available in our company that are helping organizations make that transition from their existing middleware environments uh, to a more um, robust, um, from-the-ground, built-up, Uh, on a big data platform microservices architecture fully compliant um, we can help companies make that transition to a more modern architecture and and frankly just leverage the cloud in a way that's going to give them uh, dramatic savings and uh, dramatic flexibility with their business there virtually isn't an application type or format or file format or structure that we can accommodate as part of our platform that's great
0: you know as is you and I meet with with organizations of all different sizes and makeups. Um, it, it really seems that data is going to play a huge role in every organization and that data is going to help with a lot of uh, innovation, right? And I, I truly believe that innovation really will be the key to evolution and survival. Right. <laughs> you know, so I wanted to take a moment For you to kind of help explain to the listeners that there's a lot of different ways that people look at iPaaS. How would you define iPaaS within today's market?
1: Yeah, iPaaS is really a very broad term. It stands for Integration Platform as a Service. Liaison can cons- be considered an integration platform as a service. Um, we're simply doing the integrations on behalf of our customers. Uh, MuleSoft or SnapLogic, Jitterbit or Boomi are also integration platform as a service. They're providing developer productivity tools, which is really uh, mm-hmm. placing the burden on you to leverage that technology and those adapters to perform the integrations in in in, in your organization. Right. That, that may be a very valid approach for smaller organizations or for smaller projects that want to. Uh, get work done quickly and and, and migrate. But we prefer to uh, work with large enterprise organizations that have a long-term view and and see the benefits of a uh, cloud-based iPaaS platform uh, leveraging our team of skilled resources from a managed services perspective. So that's how I would I would differentiate. But as you said earlier, uh, Eric, it is all about the data mm-hmm. today. And companies that can unlock their siloed data that they have and be able to accommodate new data sources Together for custom blending, uh, can really innovate in a way that's going to differentiate themselves for their competition. That's why our tagline is a data inspired future because it is about the data.
0: Yeah, we hear you know that's a great tagline, data inspired. I mean, every article you read, you'll you'll see things like data driven, uh, right? But I really like the the data inspired future, and and at liaison, you guys are taking a unique approach to the iPads iPads market, and that is. You're actually creating a, a blend, a, a smooth blend of both integration and data management. How does that help you differentiate in the market and, and how does that help your organizations really excel in terms of innovation?
1: Yeah, you know, I have the benefit of almost 30 years in information technology, so I've seen a lot of things come <laughs> right. and go, go, right from mainframe and <clears throat> AS400 applications to the move to client server. Uh, to leveraging uh, new technologies and platforms um, with different programming languages to leveraging the cloud. Um, There's certainly been quite a transformation that's taken place. But typically, as it relates to integration and data management, they've often been silent in most organizations. Information technology would be responsible for integrating the applications. They would run the ESB or EAI framework. They would uh, make that available across the enterprise. And there'd be a separate group Data governance group, a set of data architectures that would be responsible um, for the cleansing and transformation of the data. Um, often it was kind of thrown over the wall and, and viewed separately. Mm-hmm. Right? But today, with the volumes of data, that's not going to work. You really need to bring those two things together both integration and data management. It's the old adage garbage in, garbage out. So, right. if you don't have clean data, yep. Eric, it's going to be very difficult to innovate and drive your organization. And every company uh, struggles with their data, even companies are using Salesforce. Dot com today, you know, just making sure their data is clean and so forth. It's hard to drive new business insight unless your data is cleansed. So you have to not only integrate to get access to the data, but then apply your data governance, cleanse that data, harmonize that data, maybe even transform that data into a format where it's usable. And from there, you can drive new business insights. So we see those two disciplines coming together.
0: Uh, that's great. You know, and even when we started we've we've talked about literally the changes in the in the marketplace around integration in the last 15 years how that's evolved and the different technologies a lot of these organizations as you mentioned earlier have spent you know millions of dollars uh, in their infrastructure software building out these large buses right if i'm an organization now looking to continue to excel in terms of innovation uh, big data and analytics is there a path for me to move off of that legacy technology without just simply turning the switch off and turning a new one on? I mean, for a lot of organizations, that's gonna be a, a challenge uh, for some a fear, right? It's, it's, it's a difficult task to move 15 years of legacy software uh, into a new world of either you know, cloud-based integration or iPads or managed services what are the options and what should companies be looking for in terms of I think you mentioned it earlier embrace and extend I, I like that term so how do I as a customer make that transition
1: yeah you're right Eric it, it's a it's a very difficult transition to make and um, as Aberdeen stated you know it's one of the more uh, pronounced uh, transitions that companies will need to make going forward. Uh, the fact of the matter is that you know there's not a lot of innovation that's happening in those middleware environments today. They're kind of um, at or near end of life, so there there is going to have to be a transformation that's going to take place. Um, the good news is is there's you know the integration market is is a relatively big market. It's about a twenty four billion dollar market annually. Uh, companies like Liaison, MuleSoft. Um, informatica and many others that i've mentioned play in that space and they can provide a role and play a role really in your transformation Uh, but it's going to take time to do that and middleware is so pervasive in most organizations today Mm -hmm. it's not a rip and replace kind of approach our recommendation is that for those new projects that you're doing leverage uh, that new technology that new ipas technology that's out there whether it's Liaison, leveraging our managed services through our Alloy platform, or uh, some of the other iPaaS vendors I, I've met, uh, I've mentioned, is to leverage those technologies and start, and start a new project and get familiar with it, and then start to uh, migrate over time uh, to a new, more modern architecture. But it is going to be a transition. But it's an exciting transition because there's a lot of value that's going to happen Uh, Once we make it through this transition, by being able to aggregate disparate data sources, being able to work with structured and unstructured data, uh, leveraging a whole new suite of business intelligence tools that are out there, whether it's Tableau or Domo or Spotfire Mm -hmm. or Click and others, I mean, that's where the innovation is really going to take place. No, that's fantastic. So to round out the
0: discussion, I mean, this, this great middleware transition, this research that was done by Aberdeen, and for those listening, uh, you can look at the, uh, the show notes. I'll have a link to the Aberdeen report in here as well. Uh, any closing remarks in terms of things that you see that could potentially be even bigger swings within this traditional middleware space or integration space coming in the future?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, again, this is such an exciting time to be in information technology. I look at some of the innovation that's already taken place, and it's all driven by data. Let's let's look at Tesla, for example. Right. Most people would look at Tesla and say, wow, you know, great automobile design. Look at that battery technology. The real play for Tesla is about the data, mm-hmm. the real-time data, the gigabytes of data that they're getting in real time off these vehicles as they're driving. And being able to send real-time updates back to those vehicles to update um, the firmware and set forth uh, and change the performance and driving uh, behavior. Another great example, big market disruptors, Uber, right? Mm-hmm. Taxi cab industry has been around for many, <laughs> shaking many up. years, shaken up, and it was all data-driven. I want to be able to match a driver with a passenger that has a need. And I want to do that in real time through through an application, to make it as seamless as possible. Again, another very data-driven example. So I am particularly excited about the innovation that's going to take place in our markets and industries as we're combining disparate data sources really to innovate and change the game, change the way uh, we all live, work, and play Mm -hmm. and do things. I think that's what's really exciting. That's going to be the next wave, and it's all, again, data-driven. No,
0: that's fantastic. And again, for those listening, this is Rob Consoli, the Chief Revenue Officer with Liaison Technologies. Uh, Today's focus was on the great middleware transition. Rob, again, I appreciate your time uh, and your insights. As I continue to meet with IT leaders in multiple industries, it's become clear that the challenges around integration and data management are increasing. From the deconstruction of the ERP system, the enterprise resource planning system, to the proliferation of SaaS and cloud-based technologies, The complexities and time associated with the traditional middleware approach are handcuffing innovation. A new approach is required, and so I appreciate Rob's time and insight into the swing IT organizations are facing. To learn more about how Rob and the team at Liaison can support your organization in the areas of integration and data management, check out liaison.com posted in the show notes. There you'll also find a link to the Aberdeen report highlighting key areas where organizations can focus to maximize their investments and speed innovation. Make sure to stay current with all the big swings impacting business and technology innovation at thebigswings.com, where you'll find all the latest episodes as well as a calendar of upcoming shows. Also, make sure to follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook at The Big Swings. Thank you again for listening. And I'm Eric Schaefer, and I look forward to collaborating with you all again soon.